Greetings, friends. Lyle Wiley here, a high school English teacher and speech and debate coach in Thermopolis, Wyoming, and your host of the One Clap Speech and Debate podcast. Welcome back to season four of One Clap. We have another important episode in our Seeking Equality in Speech and Debate series for you today. This episode will feature part two of an open discussion. This open discussion is entitled Gender Bias and Seeking Equality in Speech and Debate. The panel featured five exceptional and courageous female members of our Wyoming speech and debate community who share their personal experiences, thoughts, and ideas with us all. This includes Zoe Pickett, a recent graduate from Natrona County High School, Carolyn Ben Thornton, a recent graduate from Riverton High School, Faith Duncan, a rising senior for Green River High School, and two rising seniors from Cheyenne East High School, Danny Scholes and Camila Rivera. My role in these discussions is primarily organizational. I ask questions, listen intently, and move forward when the panel members are done speaking, but I try not to engage directly in the conversations with the panel, and I'm doing my best to just listen and learn. Here, we're trying to give women in our speech and debate community an opportunity to share their experiences, concerns, and ideas. This important discussion lasted nearly two hours, so today's episode will be part two of our panel discussion. If you missed part one, don't worry. Be sure to check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes. But for now, let's jump right in and listen intently to the female voices in our community. Faith, this one's directed at you. We've touched on it a little bit. But to what extent do you think that clothing should play a role in judges' decisions? And then how much do you think it actually does play a role in the average round? Difficult question. All right, so my opinion on this one is like it's slightly controversial, but I think that clothing definitely should play a role in the judges' decisions just because the point of speech and debate is to educate people on being successful in the professional community. And clothing, like while we love to express ourselves, I just I feel like the speech and debate community is not necessarily like the place to wear these inappropriate clothing. And it definitely it should play a bit of a role in judges' decisions, but not as much as it does right now because it definitely. It definitely plays way too much of a role in judges' decisions right now, especially just regarding, like, the different clothing styles between men versus women. You know, like, women's suits, they're, they're so hard to find. Oh they're so hard to find. And I don't know, you guys were all probably shopping for nationals, too, and it was so hard to find ones that fit me. And I remember I took my suit to a tailor and told her to take in the waist, and she literally took in the chest and nothing else. And I was like, that, it just shows that the feminine figure and, like, just... Feminine clothing is not appreciated as much as it should be in speech, and it's not it's not recognized as seriously. So I think it plays way too much of a role now, but it should still play a slight role. I totally agree with Faith. I think that it's important to be professional and look professional. Like if you see the people on the national final stage, they all look put together and nice and professional. I do think there's a line um, to where it gets sexist. <laughs> like my example, like uh, I, I think it's a little bit inappropriate. Like as a judge, like if I'm judging, I will never comment on appearance just because it makes me feel really uncomfortable and to read too as a competitor. So I think it does play a role, but I think women especially just get the, get the worst of it just in general, because women's appearance just in society is so picked on and it is really hard to find suits for women. I'm glad you agree with me. It's so hard. And for men, like there's so many I think I just want to add like a personal story that I had recently happen with clothing and it was at nationals. So I also went shopping for nationals and like tried to find suits. Obviously didn't come across any like really nice ones. So I just, you know, went to my own style. I usually, I don't like wearing skirts in speech and debate. I don't know why, but I just, I feel more powerful and more confident in like a pantsuit or et cetera. 
but I remember I broke. It was my very first break, like at nationals. It was an expository, and it all of a sudden, like it stopped being so much about my speech and what I was going to be presenting, and it all became like surrounded by what I was going to wear the next day. And I don't think I've ever felt more uncomfortable in like a, the community of speech and debate. And usually, I'm always very comfortable around the people I'm at and what's happening. But I think, especially. It's unfortunately so true that for women specifically, judges do tend to judge our character, sometimes even our performances, based on how we wear, what we wear, how well put together we look, like Danny and Faith were saying. And I don't think it should play the entire role, but I, you know, obviously, like, look the best you can, and I think that's all that matters. But I think, like, the way it's become too much of a focus, because you see the people on the national stage, and they all have a certain look to them. And it's quite obvious that they, especially in, with women, like you, they have a certain look. And I think it's something that we should steer away from because I feel like at, to the point where you try to strive for a look that might not be yours, it starts to get more uncomfortable and then you don't feel as confident doing your piece or debate or whatever it is that you're doing on that national stage. You know, if you have the opportunity to get that far, or even just competing at the national tournament. So I just, I really wanted to agree with what they were saying because I, I'd never experienced it before nationals. And then when I did, I just felt horrible seeing because like, I had no control over that. Like I packed the clothes that I packed and I was planning on wearing all of those outfits. And then seeing that it was like unacceptable for me to wear them because it wasn't the look that national judges were looking for. It just felt really invalidating because it's like, why are you not looking at what I'm presenting to you and what I want to share rather than what I'm wearing or how I appear to you? So I just wanted to add that because my experience was quite recent. Yeah, and adding on to, like, what Camilla said, there definitely is a look for, like, women that are doing successfully, and especially women that are on the national stage. A lot of them just look a lot more masculine as women and stuff, and adding on to my own personal experience, too, just being taken seriously, having to change your appearance in order to do that. I'm not sure if you guys have seen me at tournaments, but I always wear glasses, and they're not even real. I just, I used to wear blue light glasses and I noticed that my scores started to go up. So I started wearing glasses more. And just the fact that something as trivial as glasses that I don't even need improved my rankings so much or wearing a suit that hides my chest more and stuff and wearing a suit that makes me look like thinner. It just affects your appearance and like your results so much. I'm glad you talked about glasses because I've heard like my coaches, well, not specifically my coaches, but just people talk about how like, I remember like someone realized I had glasses and I was doing oratory at the time and they were like, oh, you should wear those. It makes you look smarter. And I, I just think that's that's kind of uncomfortable. I don't know. Um, I just feel like it's it's not it's not valid. It's not real. Um, and I don't I think it especially happens with women just because women, like we've said a billion times, people don't take seriously. And I think the, the glasses example is really valid and it happens. It happens to a lot of people. That's just so true. At Nationals, it happened, too, with one of our own teammates, Danny. She was in world schools, and she said, oh, these glasses, I don't need them, but I'm going to wear them because it adds credibility to me, to myself. But the way that just something so minimal as glasses can increase a woman's credibility during round is, I, it's just so nonsensical, I guess. It doesn't make any sense. Cause like, I don't understand how my blindness or my lack of seeing can actually help you um, to my credibility in any way. I truly need my glasses, but I don't understand how me not seeing adds credibility to anything. I, it's kind of ridiculous when you really think about it. You know, my personal experience with professionalism in debate, I find that 
I feel more empowered when I dress in a more feminine way. I dress way more feminine at tournaments than I do actually in real life. I love to wear a lot of makeup and have my hair down and curled and wear, you know, I'll always wear heels. I never bought a pair of flats for tournaments and wear skirts and stuff. And I think that that's kind of like a different take than a lot of like other women in speech and debate have just because I think it's really powerful to embrace your femininity and still be good at what you do because often you know this whole conversation we're just been talking about trying to fit within debate when masculinity is rewarded but I think it's so I don't know empowering to be feminine and be feminine presenting and still do well and still have, you know, like a reputation and stuff. So I spend a lot of time on the way that I look at tournaments. You know, like I said, I curl my hair, do my makeup. I make sure that my earrings match my blazer or whatever, you know, because I think that I find my power in looking more feminine at tournaments. I totally agree, Zoe. I think that experience is so valid. And I think it might be a little bit different in interp than debate. I feel like in general, like interp uh, females uh, dress a little bit more feminine. Like I remember talking to like people from my team during nationals and them thinking that they had to wear a skirt to have the nationals look um, as an interpreter, which I think is, it's really harmful. I don't, I don't think you have to wear a skirt to do that, but like, I totally agree with your experience. I, during tournaments, I, I usually wear skirts and I, uh, I do my hair all nice and do makeup and I don't, I don't ever wear skirts in real life. Like, um, so I just. I feel like uh, there's an expectation of um, what you have to wear, especially when you get more to the national level. Because if you see those uh, females on the final stage, they all have their nice, their hair all nice and stuff and and wearing makeup. So I think it might be a little bit different, at least in my experience, other than debate, uh, just because there's a lot of expectations uh, to look more feminine in interp, especially. Yeah, I completely agree with what all of you are saying. And like, I mean, I can take that firsthand as well, because I remember getting ready for my semifinal round and taking into account what the expectation for what a finalist in nationals looked like. I woke up at 4 a.m. when I didn't have to. And I, I like spent so long on my hair, like drowning myself in hairspray and like, <laughs> and just making sure that everything was so perfect when that really should not be the reality. Because and it's weird to see that duality of like you have to have a more masculine voice but in the end a more feminine appearance is awarded and i don't know it should be in our power to dress however we would like and however makes us feel powerful because zoe you were talking about how femininity makes you feel more powerful and in my case like what camila was saying it's just like wearing pantsuits makes me feel way more powerful and there shouldn't be any expectation that i have to dress more feminine than what i'm doing like just on the humor side uh like there were there were i think two pieces in nationals finals that were specifically on beauty pageants for humorous and then one on beauty pageants and duo how, like how how did that feel as like interpreters i guess i feel like i don't know you probably would agree with me carly it's something that you see a lot you see a lot of beauty pageant pieces just in general especially well always done by women so it, it's really interesting to see that and see it go so far you know um and just see that judges really reward that it just it makes you think about things especially in humor when it's when it's women doing humor and they have to talk about beauty and appearance it just it's a little it's weird i completely agree with you danny it's just it's 
it's weird to see like that standard of women beauty and just like how that gets so far and just like why those topics need to like be heard and which very much do and it's a sad reality that those beauty pageants like the woman who won first she was her performance was so beautiful but it's just unfortunate that that has to be brought to the surface in order for us to be heard um i think i think it just sucks a little bit that women are not taken seriously unless they're talking about a beauty and appearance i just feel like that seems very weird especially at the national level when we're supposed to be inclusive and stuff it just it it kind of sucks um just thinking about it because i really haven't thought about it that deeply but it totally it's a reflection of, of society and and how women are supposed to talk about appearance and makeup and blah 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 you know and how they're taken very like people like hearing that so yeah it's just interesting to think about what i was gonna say was i obviously don't do humor but i i genuinely admire anybody who doesn't care because what you guys do is just phenomenal but I think what's insane, we just pointed out that out of those six humors, two of them were about beauty and pageants and whatnot. But I think it's kind of crazy to think that they made it in humor because I watched all the other interp ones, but I didn't really see like a serious piece on it. And the way that they only made it far is maybe because they were making fun of it or maybe not. Obviously, it's a serious topic, but like the way they were kind of taking more of a comical way. Like the fact that when we do talk about that, you know, and the the stereotypical topic of whatnot that we want to be seen talking about it is that it only, like, take it seriously when it's comical. It's like, oh, it's a problem, but ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of kind of crazy that it made it in just that event. Because pr- there was 100% topics on that in other events, maybe, like, drama, poi, et cetera. But the fact that it only made it in humor, I just think, like, why, why do we have to make fun of the situation for us to actually be heard? Because I think it goes back to, like, her whole point of advocacy where – you know sometimes it's okay to laugh about like you know what happens to us or our own suffering but i don't think it should only be taken seriously when we want to make light of it it's just sometimes it's like the only way we can actually like address it at the time or whatnot but i think those topics should make it further in other events too where it's you know very serious like the main point of the topic and not just when we're making light fun of it or whatnot um just kind of adding on to that i kind of have an experience uh similar to that well sort of um it's just like my experience as a woman in humor the humor i did this year was kind of it was funny but it was a little bit more serious and about like social issues in the world and and a lot of times i felt like i wasn't taken seriously because i was being serious and that might just be a problem with the uh, entire event uh, as a whole but um just i feel like as a woman just in general you're not taken seriously uh, especially when you're trying to do that when there's like Um, men in the event being super loud and like running around and doing crazy stuff you're just not especially in my experience especially in Wyoming uh, where you have more conservative judges who think very specific things about um, how events should be run and what you should talk about Um, I just feel like I wasn't taken seriously in pieces uh, that didn't really have like uh, have the importance behind them would do like way better than me I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but just um, just in general, there's a trend of that in Wyoming. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Camilla's point, like, just completely drives in, like, this discussion, how, like, in humor and drama, like, more emotional events where it's, like, less about, like, like there's definitely a lot of discussion about political issues in it, but it's less, it's less prominent and more just on the emotions and stuff. Like, there's an expectation to dress more feminine. But meanwhile, like, in events like Extemp and 
debate how there's just this expectation to dress masculine and how, you know, masculine competitors do significantly better. That just shows, I think that just shows societies, like, how seriously you really do take these issues that, bring, that like, women are bringing up. All right. So I'm going to direct a question to Carly first, and then I'll have one for Danny. But I feel like Carly's really specifically in a situation where she can answer this question really well. So girls have made the final stage before at nationals. Does that just mean that everything's fair? Well, I mean, absolutely not. (laughs) Because, I mean, speaking from my personal stories, it was so inspiring this year to see so many women in my humor prelims and my quarters and my semis and octos. Because I remember, like, sitting next to a woman from Apple Valley and she was talking about how just encouraging it is to see a room full of women. And we were all like so happy about that because what Danny was talking about earlier, it's like humor is a very male dominant event because women aren't seen as funny in our society, which is so unfortunate. And it it really encouraged me because I thought that we were getting past that. We were, we were doing really good. And then we got to semis and it was still female dominated. And then we got to finals and then it was half and half. And I guess just like the per capita didn't really add up in that sense because there were so many women in semis that just didn't advance. And I mean, my humor this year was Space Girl and there was a male doing Space Girl and he advanced to finals. And honestly, it it wasn't disheartening because, I mean, it was disheartening, but the fact that wasn't disheartening was because he was very talented and, and he took a very good interpretation of the piece, but it was disheartening in the fact that we had the same piece, but the male advanced and I didn't. And I mean, I'm not bitter about it, of course, but it's just, it's, it makes me wonder, like, if, if the judges took into account the fact that he was a male and if that it benefited him in any sense. So yeah, to answer your question, I honestly don't think it's fair for females because you see these female dominated events, but males advancing more often than females do. I think especially with interp, that's really true just because especially with events like that I do like uh, drama and poetry, like they're pretty female dominated, but when you get to the final rounds, men break. Um, It's not just usually the round is not just uh, full of women. I feel like that's such a valid point because uh, just because something is female dominated doesn't mean they're breaking and doesn't mean there isn't internalized bias just in general in the activity. And kind of uh, kind of um, going away from that point, um, I, I totally, just like the, uh, the extent final round, the US extent final round, like it just really shows like just because one woman got up there doesn't mean that there isn't sexism and misogyny just because there wasn't many women that broke at all. And I'm sure there was women that deserved to be there. I think kind of what you were saying of being in a female dominated event, yet seeing a lot of males break. I think that just kind of shows like the inherent sexism that we experience in NSDA as a whole, like tournament wise or competing wise. Like the fact that technically we have the advantage by just pure numbers, but the fact that we still don't dominate that final stage or that semi-final stage is just kind of insane to like even realize that like, that just shows like just proof that it's an inherent problem within the system itself or just the biases that we carry that many times may not have a malicious intent behind them, but just happen. And I think what you guys, both of you were talking about, Carly and Danny, that just it shows that. And I I think that's just 
proof right there handed to us on a platter that it's it happens and it's like just part of our system and something does need to be done about it because even when we have this set advantage we still don't actually benefit from it i want to address this one to danny and this is a really important question hopefully everyone can chime in but how can male coaches and competitors best be an ally to women in speech and debate i think there's a lot of really important elements to it i think one super important one that we've touched on a lot is listening to the female experience and not um, not suppressing uh, her voice. It just it, it's so important to be heard just in general in life, like as a human, just um, just getting validation uh, of your feelings in each circumstance. I feel like that's super important. Um, another thing is education about um internalized biases you could have. Um, that's obviously super important, especially because a lot of us don't even realize that we have biases. Um, even as women, like women have biases against other women. It's just internalized misogyny that is in just in our society, just super ingrained in us as children. Um, another one is really encouraging and giving women extra support in debate. Because I know a lot of teams, like just from like the Wyoming and like Wyoming, South Dakota plus circuit, just that teams, just debate teams are all men and it, it just sucks. Um, just encouraging women to come in and, and do what they want to do and be strong and advocate for yourself. It's just so important. And women need that extra push and that extra, um, just, just extra support in general um, on the team, just because we experience so much misogyny just in rounds and just having that support and having someone to listen and try to educate your team and the people around you is just so important and i think my coaches do a really awesome job at it for the most part um but i think every coach needs to have that in their mind especially coaching women um just in general and yes to piggyback off of what danny was saying it's just like the first step into becoming better is becoming aware of the internalized biases that you might have. And it's a really hard line to see because it, it's so difficult to understand what's internalized and what's subconscious because our conscious mind isn't as powerful as we think it is. But as long as we're aware, then we have the capa capacity to become better. And also there's another point of not overcompensating. So I, I don't want to see a male try to like, over listen or like over talk to me about how like I need to be heard or I need all of these these requirements to I don't know like have equality <laughs> and like I, I see that a lot too it's just like that over protection or, or or over talking or over compensating for for things that I already have and like another way I think that like male competitors can just help you know be an ally towards women and like female competitors in their events is just especially the way that they like view and portray women is just i feel like in speech where like women are sexualized significantly more than our male competitors and especially looking at the interp events like how many guys have we seen twerk in a piece or like pieces where when a guy's trying to portray a woman he just he portrays her in an overly sexual manner or just using a lot of jokes with the content about the female anatomy and just sexualize women i feel like it's it's a significant problem in the speech world and just especially how our male competitors treat us. It just, it feels like less than human and objectified. So I feel like male competitors should be like an ally to women by, you know, checking these biases 
and just thinking, would I treat a man like this or portray a man like this? You know, like women have other, and just like looking towards other personality traits or traits that women have other than just their bodies or just sexualized versions of themselves. I think what all you guys have said is super important of like that first step is kind of like self-realization of realize what's wrong with you first. But I think it's not only important to do that, but I think it's also important to call out other people when you see it. Because I don't think it's only like males that need to be allies. It's females as well. Like Faith mentioned earlier, there's with females who are successful in the speech and debate community, there tends to be a lot of jealousy. And I have heard many a time, unfortunately, when I see someone break or, you know, we're all hovering around postings and, you know, everybody's like strategizing people who broke how I would win or, or and it's against a female competitor. It's typically, oh, they're not that good. Don't worry about it here. They always try to downplay that success. And I think especially when we hear that, it's usually the way I've always heard it from. It typically comes from males when you hear that. And I think a really important way to do that is if you're aware that this is happening, call them out on it. I think that's probably the most important way. And you think as a debater, I love confrontation. And I know it's difficult, but like, I kind of don't, I don't really like creating unnecessary tension. But I think it's really important for us to have these tough conversations. Because part of the reason we don't really speak about it is because of a certain stigma of like, oh, I don't really want to create tension, drama, etc. But if someone needs to start, and what better people to start than us, like, in the community where our main thing to do is to advocate for what we believe in. And so I think the way like the males can and females alike can be a better ally to us during speech and debate season or even not during the season, just in general. It's just besides that self-realization, the second step is to try to fix that. Maybe if you have friends that say those things that you realize are wrong, like call them out on it. Tell them that's not right. Obviously, like not in a, like, a rude way, but be like, hey, here's what I learned. You should learn it too. Because I think that's also a second part of how they can be better allies. Yeah, and Camila, I like completely agree with that understanding and then taking action because like I have a personal experience involves Danny <laughs> because I remember my sophomore year when I saw you performing your freshman year, my immediate response was that I felt threatened and I immediately felt jealous of everything that you were doing. And it took me some understanding of myself to realize that that you're not a threat at all. You're a friend and you're a competitor. And we both have the same capacity to do whatever we want to do. And it's and it's so encouraging and so enlightening and so inspiring when you have that realization. So I mean, to any men listening right now, if you have that understanding and you pursue it and you have and you take action in that, it can be so inspiring for yourself and you don't feel as threatened. No, I totally understand what you're saying. I feel like uh, just in general, in in like my team and, every, and just in the uh, speech and debate community in general, it's really easy to create rivalries between uh, people, especially to women, just because it, it's, it really happens and like it's perpetuated by people um, around you. And I just think just learning from people and watching people and not having that, oh, sh like like the defense mechanism against people and not um, having the super jealousy, it just is really important. And I think rivalries are super easy to build up, especially with people around you, just in general, in my experience, um, and just watching them. And I, I think in society, like females are totally, uh, are taught to be super tough and just to like almost be mean to other, other females. I, I, I think really educating against that is really important.
just like another thing that I feel like like women can also be allies to themselves through is just like talking to other women that are inspiring us. Because I remember like my eighth grade year, I watched Saga McAllister. You, you probably remember her over at least part of her, but she was she was an excellent humorist from East, and I watched her piece, and that was like that was the whole reason I did humor or basically speech in the first place because I just saw it and it was amazing and. It was my first tournament. I saw her out in the hallway. She didn't even know who I was. And I told her that, you know, she was the one that inspired me to do this and stuff and like inspired me to do humor and just like seeing the smile on her faces and like seeing that smile when you encourage other women and, you know, hype them up. It just, it shows that we can really work as women to like empower each other and get over this misogyny that's internalized in our society. So I feel like female competitors should encourage each other more and should compliment each other more. This question is going to be for Zoe. If you knew for a fact that speech and debate was irreversibly sexist, would you still participate and still encourage others to participate? Why or why not? Absolutely. I, I would still participate. I don't really do it because I think it's a you know community for equality. I do it because I love it. And you know, at the end of the day, even if I have a horrible experience in a round or just a round that I'm annoyed because I feel like I wasn't treated the way I was supposed to be treated. I still probably had, you know, the rest of the rounds that tournament I loved. Right. And I think that, you know, not only do I just have like a passion for debate, but also seeing other people do it, you know, and like being able to like see all of you do your events and like see what your get out is just really empowering and really inspiring by itself. And I think it's a really good place to find your voice and be able to advocate for yourself. I think that now I can call out things that I see like inequalities better. I think that it's it's really like shaped the person that I am. And even though I had to face adversity on the way, I overall have loved debate and I've loved my experience in it. And I wouldn't exchange that for the world. I think that I would encourage anyone else to do it because it is the climate around debate is, you know, it's a little more like aggressive and, you know, people in debate kind of have like in speech and debate kind of have like a reputation, you know, for being a certain way. But I think that despite that, it's one of the best things you can do for yourself. And you see people who are become like famous or are at the top of their field who did speech and debate in high school. And they say that everything that they've done has been attributed to high school debate, like Katanji Brown Jackson. Before she was sworn in, she said that doing Congress in high school was the only reason that she got there. And so even though there's sexism, I think it's still totally worth it. And I would recommend it to anyone. I totally agree. I think the only way to combat sexism and misogyny is to keep showing up, keep representing yourself, even if it's super sexist. Um, I think just fighting against that is so important just in general in our society, learning to fight back, learning to step up when something's wrong. And speech has totally taught me how to do that. I'm sure you all can agree just recognizing things in our society, like Zoe said, like inequalities and learning about them and education education is so important and just especially like with women learn having a space where you can express your opinions and use your voice and learn how to use your voice is just like irreplaceable just having that experience especially like an interp and platform where someone's uh, forced to listen to you for 10 minutes straight is just so empowering and it, it teaches you how to speak with confidence and how to learn and listen to people and i, I just think 
it's one of the best things you can do for yourself, for your confidence, for your uh, just knowledge about the world. And also to stand up for what's right and what you want to talk about. Yeah, I think we all agree that if we knew for a fact that speech and debate was irreversibly sexist, I'm pretty sure every single one of us would still do it. And for me, the main reason would be that if I knew that and if it I, like believed that, I think that's even more reason for us to do speech and debate. It's more important for us to show up and show them that, you know, we we this is who we are and like we're actually talented individuals that should be valued the same way that males are. And it's even more important for them to hear our message and to hear this talk right now that we're all having. If that were true, I think that's even more reason for us to participate. And for me, it just gives me more power and more want to participate in speech and debate. Because if that were true, I like Zoe was saying, I just love doing speech and debate, debating, doing extent, like I just have a deep passion and love for it. That truly, I don't care if I wasn't successful in it. If I just loved and thoroughly enjoyed what I did, I would still do it. And I think that's even more important. So I think that just shows like, even through all this adversity, like Zoe was saying, it's still worth it. It's such a valuable trade-off. For especially for what we're going to experience in the world, this point of where we feel a little bit let down, disappointed, or maybe, I don't really know how to say it, but feel discriminated against because of who we are and how we present ourselves, it's it's just valuable for what we learn throughout this entire activity. Because I know maybe if you're hearing this, you're probably thinking, is it really worth it for me to do speech and debate if this is what I'm going to go through? 100%, because this is just a small step in the road, and you're 100% going to experience this out in the real world when you're out of high school, in college, out of college, in like a business place. And what you learn here is a better way for you to defend yourself, communicate with others what you're feeling, and just being to present yourself in a more professional manner. So I, I just think it's 100% worth it to do it and even more reason to do it. I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And not only that, is speech and debate such a unique platform to get your voice heard? Because I feel like we're surrounded by social media all the time. And we constantly have these like social justices shown to us to the point where a lot of us become desensitized to what's on our social media and what's spread across news. But when we spent step into the speech and debate world, it's like people are performing what's important in our world. Like, it's so inspiring to just talk about climate change, but in a way that's interpretation. And it's so cool to have like people laugh and cry with you and debate especially too, because it's just like you get to see all sides of the matter. And that's what's important as well, because a lot of us are biased and a lot of us have social media or like news that that favor one side. So it's really good to see both sides presented to us. And it's so valuable and beneficial to our community as well. Yeah, and I just, I, I agree with, with basically what everyone said so far. And just like, especially with what Camilla said about how like, the more and more we get exposed to it, the more and more sexism it, there is, there's like more and more reason to get ourselves more involved in it and like have these important conversations, like Carly said. And just, yeah, like, I feel like the more and more sexism that we get, I get exposed to in speech and debate, it just inspires me to keep doing it and keep fighting back against it and just like women absolutely should be doing this significantly more because it will just it'll keep us fighting i i totally agree i think um just for everyone listening the reason like we're talking about this and critiquing speech and debate as a whole is because we love it so much and we want it to be better for 
um, other generations. And it's so important to us, um, not because we hate it, not because um, this sexism and misogyny will stop us from doing it. Um, just because we want it to be, we want it to be better. And if you love something so much, you will try to make it better just in general. So this is a question that we'll start with Camila and we'll build on our last question a little bit. Is there anything girls gain from speech and debate that boys don't? That's a hard question to answer. Well, I think what we experience in all the trials that we go through during speech and debate, it's kind of preparing us and maybe making our skin a little bit thicker to when we enter the real world where maybe we're not as protected or shielded from such things. And the way, the reason I'm saying this is I don't think boys get this as much because it's more, maybe a little bit more pampered for them, I want to say. It's more cushioned. So I think something that we might gain is that reality and that tolerance, for sure, towards it. We learn better ways to fight against it, how to actually deal with it, and maybe the way we react to certain things that I, I don't think men in speech and debate gain as much preparation in that sense because the way we're prepared and the fact that we've experienced it so many times it just helps us in the future when we're inevitably and unfortunately going to face it again yeah and honestly just adding on to what Camilla said i think speech and girls definitely do gain a lot more from speech than boys do and just talking about that thicker sin because i'm like i'm in a unique position my best friend and i we're we're very similar and we both do basically the exact same events. We run the same cases in debate, but he, he's a boy and I'm a girl. And I feel like, you know, as we do it and just like comparing how we've changed since, like, since doing speech, I feel like it's just, it's made me so much more passionate about issues and passionate about speech. And it's definitely made me a lot more aggressive person and a lot more willing to stand up for myself. And I haven't seen the same changes in him. So it just, I think it definitely does make, you know, it, it makes more girl bossy girls. I totally agree so much. Um, and I kind of touched on this before. I think that why men don't gain as much is because um, men from a young age are listened to their opinion. They can express their opinion uh, clearly. And women don't get that because we're expected to be quiet and listen. And, you know, and I think speech gives a perfect opportunity to women for women to express their opinions and also express like their experiences that they go through like sexism and misogyny like the ploy I did uh, my ploy that I did uh, my sophomore year was about women in politics and how um, just the experience of women in politics and why there's not as many women who are in our government and just expressing that um, that experience of a woman is so is so powerful and just amplifying those voices through speech and debate is awesome um, especially because women don't always get that in the real world and we need to be uh, we need to be taught how to uh, push ourselves into these conversations and how to advocate for ourselves and others so I think women totally get um, I think men still get a really like really good things out of speech but women get um, so such like so much powerful things <laughs> so I, I think it's totally like women, it's just such an important activity for women to be in. All right. So I have a question for, for Danny. So what are some things that you would tell a younger girl considering going into speech and debate? Um, okay. So I would tell them, I would tell them to be strong and don't, uh, 
don't make yourself smaller to make someone else comfortable. Be who you are. Do what you do. If you get ranked lower because of that, so be it. You're being who you are and speaking your truth, especially like with topics. I've experienced this so much just talking about certain things. You can get scored like so much lower uh, just because of judge's preference and it, and it sucks. And you should be true to yourself and speak what you want to speak and just be strong and listen to others and express your opinion and just overall just don't minimize yourself for someone else. Be strong. Um, advocate for yourself and just do what you want to do. <laughs> I have a question for Carly too. Should this is a tough one. Should the NSDA do more to address concerns about inequality in speech and debate? And like, what about Wyoming? What should Wyoming do? Is there more that they can do as well? You know, I feel like NSDA has done a lot to promote diversity within our community. And that's something I love about speech is that when you go to the final stages, you see a lot of like of people of color and people in the LGBT community being accepted. And that's very encouraging to see. But then again, you see things like the extent stage. (laughs) There was only one woman out of 13, like 14 people. And that's discouraging. And I feel like we need to incentivize more to our coaches and more to our competitors, that bias that exists. And we've talked about this earlier. It's just a matter of educating yourself. And I know that there's books and there's lessons taught to coaches before they go into this field about what they can do and how they can improve their competitors. And it it starts with them and it starts with the people that they encourage to judge. It's how you can educate and how you can incentivize more of a neutral stance when you when you look at a woman and a man and how their interpretations primarily are because it's not about gender. It's about how they deliver their pieces and it's about what interpretation they got from this and how they're expressing their voice. I have one more question for Faith and then I'm going to have like a lightning round and just going to have a wrap up. But Faith, what are some ideas that you have for making the activity a little bit more inclusive, a little bit more equal? Honestly, there's quite a few ideas that I like would have for this. And one of the main ones is making sure we have more female representation, especially in our judging pools. And especially when we see finals rounds, when there's like three judges in them, I feel like a lot of my finals rounds are almost exclusively male judges. And I find that when I have female judges, whether I'm debating a male or a female, I almost always do better. So I feel like diversifying our judging pool more. I know it's hard since we're in small communities, but reaching out to more women and encouraging them to judge and like, you know, learn more will not only improve like the speech and debate community, but it also improve the community around us by educating more women on these issues. And then just other ideas is just being willing to call out men on their biases or call out men on when they're being discriminatory and calling out other competitors. I feel like as coaches, we need to like coaches need to recognize that, you know, maybe like maybe she's justified if she calls out a man and like seems inappropriate. I think we need to just you know, empower women more and recognize their struggles more and listen to them more. I think amplifying women's voices are so important and letting women speak. Because I think, I think Carly mentioned this before, just having uh, male males like over explain your problems to you or over listen. I think it's just really important to listen to females. And, and just in our society, it's just people don't do that. <laughs> so 
I think just listening is like the first step to truly understanding and educating. And I think another really important thing, I think Zoe brought this up like um, earlier, like educating judges saying, hey, this is a problem. Make sure you you um, you recognize your own biases and try to um, not judge because of that. I just want to quickly add on to that. that I think if not only with like representation, but I think if by we actually like taking some sort of action, I'm not exactly sure what that action would be, but I think representation is a great first step. I think it would also encourage people from diverse backgrounds where they don't feel like they're at an inherent disadvantage when they enter, but also increase the amount of inclusivity we have as it is. Not only that, but I think when we advertise speech and debate, we always advertise a very diverse very diverse but i think maybe our target audience to maybe switch sometimes i'm not exactly sure. i'm obviously not part of the marketing community at nsda but i think when we promote speech and debate we should promote it to several backgrounds just go out there and like promote speech and debate just to every single person you know and i feel like if we get us like the members of speech and debate more diverse and we become ourselves more inclusive even within our own teams and the way we promote it it would 100 percent make our advocacy stronger, our representation stronger, and therefore making our call to change and action a lot stronger as well. Just to piggyback on that, I think that something that's really hard about debate is it's so based in community, right? You only recruit some people, like certain people. You only, like your judges are community judges. And so I think it's kind of hard to say overall just a blanket statement of what everyone should do. But I totally agree that I think that recruitment, or not recruitment, but just like promoting your team to everyone is really important because on my team for a little bit, I was like literally the only girl on the team with, I don't know how many other people, probably like 10 other men. And so I think just putting the name out there, because I think a lot of girls are already conditioned from such a young age that their voice doesn't matter and that they would be bad at that. You know, they're too stupid, stuff like that. And so just promoting it and being like, this is for everyone. If you have any interest in it, if you think you could benefit from it, you should join and it will benefit you. I think that just that preconditionedness that every girl kind of has makes them a little less eager to join. And I think it's really important that they understand that this is a community for them too. Yeah. And adding on to like what Zoe and Camilla said about encouraging people to join, I, I don't know why I just barely thought of this, but something that another because we have, we have two girl captains again on our team now, and I'm so excited. But something that the other girl captain and I have been working on to implement our, on our own team is a closet for speech clothes. Because we, we're both very weird sizes, so we've been collecting all of the clothes that like we buy and don't fit us, and then just putting them into a closet. And we're going to advertise this next year to just get more and more, especially women, into the speech community and showing that you know your appearance doesn't necessarily have to be a barrier like you can borrow clothes from the team because I feel like appearance and just socioeconomic class are huge barriers towards joining the speech and debate. So something that I would definitely recommend implementing on teams and stuff and implementing in the community in general is closets so that, you know, women and people of like lower socioeconomic backgrounds can access this clothing and access these events. I 100% support that. Danny can support me on this. Our own team has that. And I remember joining and it started my freshman, our freshman year. And I remember just thinking it was such a great thing and like project to start. And I think you guys doing that and starting that is so great for people and just all members of Speech and Debate because 
you'd be surprised how much that affects how many people join because many people are like, oh, I don't have, you know, the nice slacks to go with this or I don't can't really I don't see myself as a speech and debater and whatnot. And so I think that is such a great idea and it 100 percent works. I 100 percent agree with what all of you are saying. What I can gather from this is that physical representations of what we're feeling is a very good way to incentivize equality within our community, like the closet. And, you know, it could be cool to see movements within our speech and debate community, like, you know, how people come together and they silently protest by wearing a certain like clothing or wearing a certain color. Maybe we could incentivize that within our community for one meat wearing a certain color to to show that that women don't necessarily need to have all of these expectations put upon them, like wearing our hair down or being inclusive to men and saying that you could wear this certain color and we could all come together and, and spread awareness about this. So this has been a really fabulous discussion. I just want to give you all a chance to sort of put in just one last statement from your perspective, just kind of a lightning round kind of question. So we'll just kind of round robin it and let everyone have a chance to speak. But what's one thing that you hope that the audience is going to take away from our discussion today? I think just it's important for people to understand that you are seen and you are heard and you are valid within the community. I hadn't really talked to anyone before about this issue, anyone on this like panel about this issue, but just coming together and understanding that we've all had very similar experiences shows that you are not alone in your experiences. And it's important to reach out to people that you trust if you think that something is, you know, is something is unfair because that's the only way that we can make the community better. My main piece of advice would be listen listen to what we have to say and then just actually hear our concerns so i think that's probably the most important part of all of this that the main complaint we all have is that people don't actually take us seriously so if you're going to take anything away from anything that we've talked about is just listen to your teammates listen to your female competitors because what they're saying is true and even though you may not experience it it is 100 percent real all we want is to be heard um, what I would say, I think, is the best way to combat sexism and misogyny in speech and debate is listening and reevaluating, um, just listening to the female experience and, and what biases occur in debate, and then reevaluating and thinking about how, what your thought process is while judging her out and trying to get rid of all the biases that you have personally. I just think reevaluation and just holding yourself accountable is so important and everyone needs to do that. Male, female, whatever you, everyone needs to hold themselves accountable to be unbiased. I think accountability is one of the most important things that you can do. And um, to the audience listening to this, I hope whatever competitor or coach or judge or just listener becomes aware of their internalized biases and that delivery should not rely on dominance of your voice or how aggressive you are, but it should rely on the performer's interpretation on their piece and what messages they are offering to you. Yeah, if I were to just wrap this entire discussion up into one thing, it would just be like to the women listening, like be, be willing to speak up and be willing to fight for, you know, this equality and fight for getting equal representation and actually being listened to. And just like, know that even if you're just like, even if you're just continuing to do a piece, even if you don't like it, or even if you're just debating in general, you're doing something for women and you should be proud of yourself because you're fighting an uphill battle. 
and especially towards women that are being successful, like just know that you should be proud of yourself and to keep fighting no matter what. I just want to thank you all so much for your involvement in this, this really important discussion. Your choice to share your experiences and your thoughts on equality and speech and debate is courageous and it's necessary. And I, I just hope that our discussion can help, you know, spark some more discussion and help people speak out and advocate for changes in our community that are going to amplify all the voices in the speech and debate world. Thank you once again so very much to our panel members for their thoughtful responses in part two of our discussion. Again, I will link to part one in the show notes. Don't miss it. There's a lot for all of us in the coaching and competitive community to thoughtfully consider as we strive for equality in the speech and debate world. Be sure to check out additional links and resources, as well as a full transcript of this discussion on the website, oneclapspeechanddebate.com. Our upcoming episode is going to feature an interview with acclaimed director, Lucia Small, who came on the podcast to discuss her new documentary, Girl Talk, a film that was eight years in the making. It follows the high school careers of girl debaters. This is an excellent film that you're not going to want to miss, and my interview with Lucia was enlightening and fun, so don't miss it. Be on the lookout for these upcoming episodes, too. Ella Schnocki talks about women in speech and debate and her 2019 NSDA Championship POI Debate Like a Girl. Riverton competitor Carly Ben Thornton talks about the importance of humor and her semifinalist run at NSDA Nationals this summer. Our second panel, made up of UUUN, Haley Lause Reyes, and Layla Sandlin, considers being a racial minority and a woman in speech and debate. And a Toronto County High School superstar and 2022 Wyoming High School Forensics Ambassador Zoe Pickett stops by to discuss extemporaneous speaking and female leadership. And we have more coming up too, including some additional panel discussions. If you'd like to join the discussion here at One Clap Speech and Debate, shoot me an email at lylewiley at gmail.com or reach out on the One Clap Speech and Debate podcast website or social media, which I'll link in the show notes. You know, be sure to check out our new YouTube and TikTok channels. These will be linked in the show notes as well. Be sure to follow those pages. And, you know, this year, if you want to try to support One Clap Speech and Debate, check out our Patreon page, also linked in the show notes. You can partner with me on this journey for as little as a dollar a month and stop patronage anytime you'd like. Special thanks to all of our patrons, Terry, Tina, Brenda, Aaron T., Melissa, Marcus, Laura, Londi, Ashley S., Joel, Matt, Alan, Ashley M., Aron, L., Izzy, and also Rick. Thank you all for your support. And thank you for listening to One Clap Speech and Debate. Remember, your voice matters. We'll catch you next time.